Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm just now realizing as I'm sitting in this leather chair, I'm going to have to start grabbing a glass of whiskey before we do these. I feel like it's just totally inappropriate for me to be drinkless right now. Um, but really excited to be sharing with you guys uh, a conversation tonight with a good buddy of mine, Logan. We're going to be diving into uh, finding deals, right? I mean, it's, it's really difficult sometimes to find good commercial real estate deals. And that's what that's probably one of the biggest complaints that I hear as a commercial real estate investor. Like, Tyler, I cannot find deals. How are you finding deals? And look, Logan started off, he has a very similar background that I do. He's a commercial real estate broker out of uh, Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, looks like he does some work in West Virginia as well. And that's pretty much what he specializes in. Mostly industrial, does some investment sales. And the guys that are doing the investment sales know how to dig up off-market opportunities and find good deals. So, Logan, that was obviously a very brief introduction to you, man, but tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get here? Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. A little bit of a background on me. So, I'm, I'm from West Virginia, from Wheeling, West Virginia area, a little town called Moundsville is where I grew up. Uh, after high school, went to West Virginia University, studied industrial engineering. Uh, about 10 years after school was uh, in manufacturing, but the last five years of that, uh, owning a manufacturing company, a couple partners of mine owned a manufacturing company, um, sold that because I realized I wasn't very good at it and uh, decided to uh, keep the real estate though. So, so the, uh, the new owners of that company are now our tenants. We own that's about a 30,000 square foot uh, manufacturing facility in Wheeling, West Virginia. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always been just fascinated with real estate. From the time I was in high school, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is like the oldest story in the real estate investing world. Uh, you just read that book and then you just hear so many people that that's how they got started is reading that book. And so um, I would say that I've probably studied as much about real estate investing, commercial real estate investing as I have industrial engineering, even though I have that degree. So tons of self-study, got my hands on every book I could get them on, uh, on industrial and, and commercial and in regular residential. I had a, a stint where I bought... Uh, since about 2013, where I was buying uh, residential properties, quickly decided I didn't like that. When I first got into brokerage a few years ago, you know, had a little stint in the the resi space, but very quickly realized I didn't like showing people countertops and backyard space, and it just was very boring to me. So I like the numbers. I like digging into the numbers and, and helping people find good good investments and make money. So um, so that kind of steered me towards that. So. Um, I'm relatively new to Charlotte, actually. So my wife and I, and that'll tie into what we're going to talk about here in a minute. But um, my wife and I actually moved to Charlotte at the end of 2020. So December 2020, we moved to Charlotte. Um, so yeah, so I've got a, a very strong background in industrial, spent pretty much my whole adult career and in, in some sort of industrial setting, know the buildings well, spent so much time in self-study. I think my wife gets uh, gets frustrated every time an Amazon book comes to the door. It's about every day a new book comes <laughs> And I'm like, I've got like 30 bookmarks in each one of them. I'm, I'm partially through each of them. But uh, but yeah, that's me. That's kind of kind of the, the timeline of my life leading up to this point. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. So Rich Dad Poor Dad, of course, is one of everybody's, I mean, it's on everybody's top five when it comes to real estate investing. Such a great book. If you've never read it, highly recommend uh, giving that one a shot. Really interesting that you come from the manufacturing background to selling out and becoming a landlord. I want to kind of unpack that a little bit because there, there's definitely going to be some some nuggets in there. But uh, Chad Griffiths, one of our mutual buddies, has jumped into the live chat. He's saying, look at these two beauties. And uh, he's right. He's saying, I definitely need a, uh, a whiskey in the uh, with this chair. I've got to have it. 
cutting it. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne is saying, Logan, my guy, proud of you, brother. Love it. Y'all yeah. y'all keep jumping in the live chat. Let us know if you have any questions uh, about anything or just want to continue chatting and talking about whiskey. We're always down for that, too. There you go. There you go. I like it. I like yeah. It. So, Logan, yeah. talk talk to us about uh, – about starting off in the industrial space and then moving into the the landlord world. I mean, what was that transition like for you? Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 throughout college, it, it kind of was, was in tandem. So in the residential side, I was a landlord starting in 2013 buying resi properties. Um, and obviously my, my scholastic career and my, my 10 or no, my W2 job career always kind of lead me towards the industrial world and, and, in school and out of school, you know, both both of those careers, I was heavily involved in, you know, the maintenance of the buildings and, and being in charge of that and being in charge of capex expenses on the buildings. So, so I had a really good knowledge of those things. Um, and kind of as I was going through my career, I was also learning all about, you know, being a residential landlord. Um, and and when we decided to sell the business and kept the the real estate. That's when I really decided I'm now done with residential from a landlording standpoint. This is so much easier to be a, a commercial landlord, at least in my just a little. <laughs> just a little. It's just a little. So it was, for me, I just was like, you know what? I'd rather get a phone call that says, you know, we have a sewer issue and we need to fix that with money than than constantly somebody's kids flushing stuff down the toilet and I have to keep fixing it. Like that's that's a whole different ballgame for me. So I just. You know, I just fell in love with that space uh, after after transitioning from a resi landlord to a, an industrial landlord, and just said, "This is this is 100 percent for me." That's awesome, man. Uh, Kelly's jumping into the podcast, uh, the podcasting. Hey, Logan. Um, Caleb, my buddy, uh, just jumped in. He's asking what your favorite whiskey is. Oh man, um, so my go-to if I'm just doing everyday whiskey is Johnny Walker Black. I drink Johnny Walker Black. It's pretty much like if I'm just going to sit around and just have a glass. Um, I, I did splurge on a little bottle of Johnny Blue the other day. Had a nice closing the other day, so I bought a nice bottle of Johnny Blue. So there you I got go. That this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So so, uh, so more of a more of a Scotch guy. You like the like smokiness of it? I do. You know, I, I have uh, I have started playing around with some bourbons, but mostly in old fashioned. So I've played around with a bunch of different old fashioned uh, varieties recently. So, uh, but yeah, mostly a Scotch guy. Nice man, yeah. Dwayne is uh, is jumping in as well, saying yes. Favorite whiskey. He's asking me what my favorite whiskey is. Um, man, right now I'd have to say it is Knob Creek Rye. I just I love a good rye whiskey. I'm big into Manhattans right now because there's just not as much sugar in them as uh, as old fashions, and so I've I've kind of gravitated towards that. Uh, but Angel's Envy is tough to beat for me. Okay. Uh, Whistle Pig is also up there. Whistle Pig yeah. is really good. Nice. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Chad, Chad, Chad loves the JW Blue. Chad, you're gonna have to come down to. Uh, you're gonna have to come down to the South, man, and uh, yeah. drink some whiskey with us. There you go. There you go. I'll swing over, or you come down, and we'll meet in the middle. There you go. That'd be perfect. So, so Logan, how did you how did you end up in Charlotte? So my wife, uh, her, her brother and sister-in-law or her sister and brother-in-law live here, um, have lived here for five, six years. You know, every, every year we'd come down for three, four weekends a year, just kind of visit and just slowly fell in love with the place. And, you know, just saw the opportunity here. Um, Wheeling, West Virginia is great. It's home, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a small town and you know, it's, it's just doesn't offer the same opportunities for what I wanted to do for what she wanted to do. And so after, uh, after selling the business and, uh, and leasing it back and, you know, selling off a lot of our residential properties. It was finally at a point where we said, you know what, she works remotely. 
I'm, I, I want to do this and there's more opportunity. Let's go. So we just pulled the plug and, and went. So there you go. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's, I, I am the opposite. I've always been in Nashville. I lived in Knox. Okay. To be fair, I lived in Knoxville for a year when I pretended that I was going to go to college. Uh, but, uh, I've never left Nashville and I, and I love it. So I I always admire and appreciate the folks that can just uproot their entire lives and go to a new city. Cause especially in real estate, man, like that's tough. Like going, like being in real estate and going into a new market, that's really tough. You know, I had the advantage of growing up in Nashville, at least knowing the neighborhoods and how the city was laid out and how the city works. Like when you go to a new market, I mean, let's talk about that. What what have been the challenges so far? Because you have a completely different people, a different environment, a different political set, a different zoning. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's it's again, it's it's like anything else. It's a lot of self study, and and knowing this was coming, you know, we did. I did I've done a lot of research, and, and and I spent a ton of time on CoStar and and in understanding the, the market, and and just you know talking to different folks in the industry, knowing that we were coming here. But but yeah, since being here, um, it's just complete immersion pretty much just completely immerse yourself in it and and fortunately in the tech world we live in you can you can understand a lot about uh what's going on in the market by by uh digging through old sales past sales and 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 crunching comps and talking to other brokers and things like that so so yeah it's just been complete immersion in trying to understand uh everything that's going on um i i can't stress enough how important it's been for me to specifically just focus on industrial because it takes so much of the uh, of, of the other stuff away. I'm not trying to handle industrial and retail and tenant rep and apartments. You know, I'm just focusing on what I know. I know the buildings very well. I know, you know, I've I've done countless hours of self study on creating my own pro formas. And I used to do it for fun. I'd find a property and I just like, hey, this guy says this is a pro forma, and, and I'm I'm a college student at this point and you know i said let, let me make my own and so i'm taking youtube channel classes on how to you know do financial modeling and analysis and just just crunching it myself so a lot of that stuff is carryover you know understanding the investment side of it understanding the, the properties themselves and then it's really just a focus now on the market itself individually in those little sub markets so so that's what the past year or so has been is just full immersion into those sub markets that's such a great strategy when you pit when you Find your niche, and that's what you decide to focus on. I mean, when you move into a new market, I couldn't even imagine imagine if you were just a a well-rounded, quote-unquote, broker that did office, retail, industrial, kind of like what I do, honestly. I mean, I'm a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to the product type or asset type. But if I moved into a new market, it'd be really tough to focus on that because really what I decided to niche down on, and we actually just did a video on this last week or the week before, is the neighborhood niche like that's my strategy we go and pick one neighborhood and become the best at it so yeah i mean that's a great way to to get started so so good for you um for for taking that path Dwayne is saying he loves a good ride as well uh Dwayne, you'll have to come join us man um, it looks uh <laughs> chad chad says it's happening in 2022 uh so chad don't yeah, threaten me with a good it. time man get down here let's, let's go, go. I'm in. Um, Ice is asking, how many books do you read in a year? That's a great question. So Logan, what, like, what kind of books do you read? How many books do you read a year? I would say audible audio books. I'm probably good for at least once a month, one a month, and then probably another five to seven or eight, uh, you know, just regular books a year. So I, I, I probably get somewhere between 15 and 25 books a year in. That's great, man. It's funny. I oscillate between podcasts and audiobooks. Yeah. 
Sometimes I go like all in on audiobooks and I'll listen to four in a month. And then I'll go uh, six months without listening to it because all I'm doing is listening to podcasts. I'm in the same boat, and it's it, it does. It's a different mindset too. I think it's if, if for me, if I'm if I'm needing more just detailed, what what type of instructional do I need? I feel like a book is great, like to to really immerse yourself in the topic. But if you're just wanting quick hit, like you know, almost ideas or just a little bit of mo- motivation, podcasts I find are great because you can co- just consume it very quickly. So, oh, yeah. yeah, they're out there. I've been on a uh, smart passive income kick here recently. Pat Flynn's just great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's so many podcasts out there. Logan Freeman, who we've had on the show before, too. His compression podcast is really fun to listen to. He's yeah. uh, he's on the quest to $100 million in one year, and he's not far off from that. I mean, it started January 1st of this year. And I think last time I read, he was at like 72 or $78 million. So good for him, man. In one year, that's a lot of acquisitions. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there one day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So Logan, we uh, obviously are going to be talking about finding deals. I mean, how, you know, other than working with commercial real estate brokers, which I do believe is one of the best ways to find deals. If you were a real estate investor and you said, obviously moving to a new market, you had to probably start this all back up. What do you do to find deals? So honestly, a, a large, large portion of my uh, deal finding methodology is just straight up old school prospecting. It's cold calling, cold email, and text messaging. Mostly cold calling, I would say, and and it's it's old school and it's time consuming, but it works. And I just you know it's it, it's just a phenomenal uh, a phenomenal tool if you don't have. You know, if you don't have the funds, like I moved to Charlotte, I didn't, I did not have a platform that was drawing leads for the Charlotte market in, in the form of a website. I didn't have a huge budget for, you know, Instagram and Facebook lead marketing, so on and so forth. I did not have, I didn't have any sphere of influence at all. So, you know, I was speaking with, uh, with my, my broker in charge here, Frank Girodi, and, and he's, uh, kudos to Frank. He's awesome. A couple that are on the line here probably know him or definitely know him, but uh, I don't know if he's on or not, but Frank just said, you look, you know, the first, uh, the first, when he first started, he worked at Marcus and Millichap a ways back. And he said, when I first started in, in try, you know, in a brand new market, he said, I, I just called and called and called and called and called. And, you know, I'm an industrial engineer by trade, so I'm, I'm used to spreadsheets. And so the thought of being on the phone with people all day long, I didn't think I was going to be very good at it at all. And, uh, and honestly, I, I probably wasn't at first, but it's one of those things that you just do it enough times and you get better and you get better and you get better and it becomes easier. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. It's what I still do. I, I do have plans. I'm in the process of trying to build a new website for myself to try to build some evergreen content and drive some traffic there so I can get some, a little bit more uh, passive leads, but, but yeah, I still, I still enjoy cold calling and still do it every single week, every day. Yeah. Building that evergreen content is so critical. I mean, Chad, uh, who's on the line right now, he's actually one of the, the first I guess he's the first person I ever spoke to about blog posts, writing blog posts, which is kind of wild to think about because, you know, we've we've written so much content in the last two years now. Uh, But that all started because of a conversation that I had with him on, you know, Chad, how are you finding all of these deals? Because he's up in, I believe it's Edmonton. And I was like, you know, what are you doing? And he said, man, we just we just write blog posts once a week or once a month. And we've been doing it for five years. And I went in and looked at it and like, they're generating all these leads out of it. It's, it's phenomenal. I thought that was so cool, but it's because you've got basically this evergreen sales force 
these articles that are constantly out there working for you. So I think that's I think that's really smart. I am a big believer that anybody can be amazing on the phone as long as they practice it. What do, do yeah. did you start off with scripts or did you just kind of wing it? Like what's your method with cold calling? Yeah, so so I started off with scripts, and I very quickly realized that um, there are people who are good at being a salesman or sounding like a salesman and still sounding good, and that is not me. I'm not good at, <laughs> at sounding salesy. So, you know, for me, um, you know, it's in general, if, if, if you're going to cold call, um, you got to go into it with the right mindset, and it's it's a consistency mindset. It's, it's, it's not going to be something that um, – it's, it's not going to be something that's fun. And I, I just, I, I got to put it just right out like that. It's just not, um, I don't know if you've read Jeb Blunt's book, fanatical prospecting, but he's, nope. he, he has a quote in there. I'm going to read it. It says, there's no, there's no easy button in sales. Prospecting is hard, emotionally draining work. And it's the price you have to pay to earn a high income. And it's just true. So, so getting that mindset, right. That like, you know, this is kind of the, the pay to play is, is, is vital. So my approach, uh, from the beginning was I, I not, I need to not just, pick up the phone and start calling. I need to build a system in place so that I can, I can see my progress. So uh, any of our brokers who are any of the people who are joining online from our brokers, we did get a training last week on this and it was, uh, you know, about building your broker dashboard. So I started with that and said, I, I need some way to track my metrics that, you know, if I set a goal for myself, I'm going to make 30 calls, 40 calls, 50 calls a week, whatever it is, I need to be able to track that over the week. So so that's what I did. And that was the, that was the start of it. I built that first. So I had something to, to, to see, okay, if, if nothing else gets done and I call on 10 new properties for people that I've never talked to in my life, then it was a successful day if I do nothing but that. So, so that helped me get in that mentality of just like, all right, this, this isn't that hard. All I have to do is get to this. Um, and then, and then as I started going through it, uh, to your point, you know, about, about how I approach that in the conversations I have, I, I did have a script, um, but that script changed over time. Um, you know, you, you want to start out and say, Hey, do you own this? Is it for sale? Blah, blah, blah. And it just comes across weird. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll walk through my script, just exactly what I do. And it's, yeah. it's kind of a script, but it's kind of an outline. Um, so I try to be as, as unsalesy as possible. Um, so I, I typically, you know, phone rings, ring, ring. Hey, is this John? And usually they're kind of skeptical. They don't know what, so that's going to be something like, yeah. What do you want or something along those lines? <laughs> yeah. And it's just usually just, hey, John, you know, this is Logan Hartle with Costello Commercial. Sorry, I, I know this is an out of the blue call. So, um, you know, I'm just reaching out about 123 Main Street and and just try to keep it as, as simple as that. Just, you know, I, I usually start out with that. You know, I know I'm calling you out of the blue. I'm acknowledging that and kind of sorry off the bat type of thing. And, I, and I, it, it seems to disarm them a little bit. Um, and so I'll just be like, hey, you know, do you guys still own that property? And yeah, we do. And they're still very skeptical. Um, and I, I don't go right into trying to get them to sell the property. I ask them if they want to acquire more properties. So I say, okay, okay, cool, man. Is that, is that the type of property you guys like to buy? Are you still in acquisition mode looking for more? Um, and I find that that tends to disarm them quite a bit because they, it's, I'm now providing value. I'm not, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm not trying to get you to sell me your property. I'm, I'm trying to understand what your need is and if I can help you with that. Um, and they might go, yeah, you got one. And I'll say, you know what, you know, I, I don't, not one that's, you know, very similar to that just yet. But, you know, if I did have one, you know, you know, what would be your, your criteria? Do you have an, do you have an idea of what you want or do you guys have a specific criteria? Is there, is it just kind of all over the board? And I'll use language just like that. Like, I, I don't, I don't try to make 
use fancy language or anything like that. And usually they'll, because they're people. I mean, these are just people you're calling. They're, they're like you and me and just, just they're, they're, they're on their way to work or they're at a Dunkin' Donuts or, or they just got in a fight <laughs> with their, their wife or whatever. So, so they're just people. Talk to them like people. Um, and then usually they'll start to talk. They'll say, yeah, you know, we buy industrial spaces. You know, we've got this one. We've got one up in Salisbury. We've got one down in Fort Mill. And, you know, we like to buy anything that's, you know, between 20 and 50,000 square feet. And while I'm writing this down in my CRM, my follow-up system, and I'm, I'm tracking everything so, so I know what to find for them. Because um, if nothing else, this is a great conversation with a potential buyer down the road. And, yep. I, you know, I said, oh, that's awesome. You know, you know, awesome. So, so I appreciate that. You know, if we come across something, I'll definitely shoot it to you. Is there a good email? And take down their email. And then I'll ordinarily say something along the lines of, you know, if, if we do find the right property, is, do you have to offload something in your current portfolio to leverage into this property? Or, you know, and then maybe they'll say yes. Maybe they'll say no. And so ordinarily, it just kind of flows like that. I keep asking questions, keep asking questions. But again, at, at a very, very basic human to human level. Okay, cool, John. You know, you know, if, if, we, do, uh, if we do find the right property, do you need to sell another property in order to buy this one? Yeah, you know, actually, we probably would. We're thinking about doing a 1031 exchange. All right, cool. Which, which uh, property are you thinking about selling? And then they'll tell me and you go off that direction. Or if they say, no, you know, not really. And say, okay, cool. So you, so you plan on holding everything in your portfolio long term? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So nothing you guys would be offloading in the next year or two. All right, cool. No? All right, John, I appreciate it. I'm going to keep track of your, your info here. And as those properties come up, you know, we're going we're to shoot them over to you if that's all right with you. And say, hey, if, if nothing comes up in the next you know, couple of months or whatnot. Is it all right if I check back in with you every month or so? Or, and usually they're just complete. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it, Logan. Thank you. And now it's not some guy that called them, tried to interrupt their day. It's it's 90% of the conversation was about you. 10% was, by the way, if there's something for sale, because I focus on listings primarily, if there's something for sale, you know, let me know. And that's that's where I've gotten almost all of my leads with that type of script in the uh, in the commercial world. Yeah, so... That's a phenomenal script, man. I mean, that, there are some some golden nuggets in there for sure. I think, you know, the the number one thing that I was taught when you're cold calling in commercial real estate is to always provide value. Find some way to disarm them from the very beginning because you're contributing them something so that they don't feel like you're just there to take, take, take. Because a lot of the guys that own commercial real estate, they're very high power. I mean, it's like, you know, me and some other people like we are in the business. We know what we're doing. Why are you calling us? Right. You've, you got to be on top of it. And, uh, to, to piggyback on that, if you know of another property that just got leased down the street or that just sold down the street or is under contract, people love hearing that stuff. When, yep. when people call me and they say, Hey, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, two, two blocks away from your building, that property is under contract for X. That immediately is a gold star in my book because, it helps me out with what I'm thinking about doing. So, man, that's such a that's a great script. Did you come up with that yourself? You know, it sort of got a mishmash of of you know conversations I've had and, and just playing with it. So, so I it, it, I can't really remember how it's the, the genesis of all of it, but it's it's a mixture of everything and just kind of cut the fluff out. You know, it's it, I'm an industrial engineer at heart, so I like to cut the fluff out and streamline things. Yeah. So, so I tried to streamline. Yeah, efficient. Let's make it efficient, but also give them value and also make it as as human of a conversation as possible. So, so Dwayne's cure for cold calls is don't sound like anyone else or everyone else. 
That's I mean that's very true. You don't want to the the great thing about Logan's script that he just went over is that it's it's more of an outline, right? Like that's what always bothers me with salespeople whenever they call you. You can clearly tell who's reading from a script and who just has a general outline of how they want to speak because it's, you know, I think everybody's got to start off with a script because you don't know what to say. But you got to get away from that as quickly as possible because if I write a script, that's in the way that I speak. And that's not going to be natural for you, which means it's not going to come off right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I've said this before to other people is that there is no script that's a substitute for knowing what you're talking about. Like know your product, know your type. So when you get on the phone with someone, because if they say yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking about selling it. Can you tell me what the market's doing? You better know because you know, <laughs> yeah, no, you better know. You better know because there's no script that's gonna that's gonna catapult you past not knowing what you're doing. So so there's so much emphasis on the script, but to your point, it's exactly that. It's an outline that you need to adjust to your own personality and use and and then know what you're know what you're offering in the background. So so when they ask, you can be there ready to help them. Yeah, totally. We've got a great question from El. How much prep work do you do before cold calling? Do you have a general approach to the type of sellers and owners that you call during a session? I mean, it sounds like obviously you're going for more industrial guys, but yeah, are you looking them up on LinkedIn? Are you trying to find news articles about them? I mean, how much work do you do? So, so it, it all starts with trying to to niche into a, and, and it builds on itself. So I'll go there. So. It all starts with utilizing a service like Star or Reonomy to pull a list in a focus list on the types of properties that I want to go after. Um, but then it's it's not. I'm I'm not taking the time to do 10 to 15 minutes worth of prep work for each person. I know their name, I know they're the owner, and I know the address. And ordinarily, I might just quickly pull it up on Google Earth and I'll say, hey, you know, so and so, I'll jump into that script, and I'm looking at it on Google Earth so I can see it. So if they mention it, I can say. Yeah, I see this building beside it or, yeah, looking down the road at it. So, you know, whether I've been to the property or not, I at least have somewhat of an idea of, of what their property looks like. And I can talk to them somewhat intelligently about it. I might pull it up on GIS so I can get some, you know, GIS mapping tools so I can get some some information about the building, maybe understand when they bought it and how much they paid for it, so on and so forth. But I'm not ordinarily doing that because I want to be able to go relatively quickly. Right. I yeah. want to go. Because a majority of the time, you'll stop, you'll, you'll look at an address, you'll see a person, you'll look them up, you'll look them up, you'll spend 15, 20 minutes, and you'll call the three numbers that you think are theirs. Two of them are bad, and one goes to voicemail to somebody named, that's not their name. And you're like, dang it, I just spent all that time. So you got to just chunk through it. So so like when we pull lists out of Reonomy, like I'll pull a list of, let's say it's 100 properties. Of those 100 properties, it might have four contacts for those properties. And of those four contacts, there's four phone numbers. So it's like, I just have 1,600 phone numbers I have to dial. So to do the research on each of those is like, is next to impossible. So I just I have those little tricks that I have. Again, have Google Earth up and, and be able to just look at the property really quickly so I can speak intelligently. But, you know, I, I, I really deep dive in if I feel like I can actually help them. You know, if I feel like they're, one of the properties I have listed would actually be, you know, in line with the criteria they told me. Or if they say, look, I really want to sell my property because you're never going to you're never going to give someone a, a price on the phone, whether you're an investor or you're I mean, maybe you are, maybe you're that sophisticated. But in the industrial yeah. space, in the commercial world, I'm never going to tell someone, yeah, I think your property can sell for this. I need so much more information before I even get to that point that that, that really it's a matter of, OK, great, I'd love to, to you know, help you with this and, and at least run a market analysis and try to give you an understanding of what the market's doing and kind of a range of where we think your property could sell. Can I meet you at the property next week? And that's that's kind of where it goes to. And it's never, you know, so I, I don't do a ton of research until I have to. 
Yeah, and every building is so different. You can't possibly just know from not even being inside what it's going to be worth. El wants you to know that it's Ezra. I mean, is that a buddy of yours? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Ezra. Um, well, so so you you were talking about Reonomy, and is that how you get the contact information for these buyers? I mean, talk a little bit more about that because that seems to be one of the more difficult things. I mean, phone books yeah. don't really exist anymore. Most of these yeah. properties are yeah. in an LLC that gets forwarded to a PO box, sometimes out of state. So that's tough. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, I'll I'll use Reonomy and CoStar primarily. You can pull buyer leads, you can pull seller leads. Um, you, you know, if I'm just specifically going after buyers, you can pull in CoStar a list of the owners of properties in your area by asset class. And so you can pull that and and start calling and it's got phone numbers where they are. And and those are primarily the same script too. Hey, you know, XYZ big private equity company, you know, just want to introduce myself and you know uh, here's what i do i'm in the charlotte market i see you buy properties all over the country as you know charlotte and raleigh are growing like crazy you know i'd love to to understand a little bit more about your criteria and, and know what it is that you guys are looking for so if it comes across my lap i can share it with you and it's that same thing okay great yeah and almost none of them will sign any if you're if you're a broker listening or you're trying to get into commercial real estate almost none of them will sign a buyer agency agreement with you you're, you're going to be one of a hundred people who are sending them properties so your job is to find a property that you can bring to them um, if you're an investor, um, you know, those are good conversations to have anyway. So those are people who are the, the top tier of your uh, competition who, who honestly, maybe as they're growing through their investment uh, and, and they're becoming more, more investment savvy, they're getting larger properties, they may have some smaller properties they want to dump off. Right. So so talking to private equity companies, uh, talking to, you know, you know, hedge funds, private equity companies, REITs that that, you know, might want to start offloading some smaller properties might make sense. So, um, yeah. So I'll dig through those uh, those channels. Reonomy is, is primarily just looking at sellers, but you can do the same thing if I if I pull a list and I start to, to you know, uh, look through Excel and I, and I um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Shoot. Um, if I want to, uh, essentially, essentially I can see how many owners own what different properties. And if the same person pops up over and over and over again, then I can say, okay, I really need to call that person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that so person's that, worth contacting. They're worth contacting. So yeah, so, so I'll do that. Uh, and that's how I pull my lists and yeah, then I'm, then I'm trying to, to, to keep track of them either in Salesforce ordinarily. I'll, I'll use some sort of spreadsheet so I can mark off good numbers, bad numbers, blah, blah, blah. Once I get a good number awesome into Salesforce. I know this is a good person. I can, I can do a follow-up. So, um, do yeah. you find, do you find that data to be accurate typically with Reonomy? You know, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Honestly. Um, I have emails or probably who, man, for me, it's probably 50, 50, maybe less, maybe 40, 60 in terms of, uh, you know, good to bad phone numbers. They're going to give you eight phone numbers. You're going to call through and one or two of them might be good. Um, but the, you know, then it's just a matter of continuing the, the addresses tend to be pretty good. The addresses are almost spot on at least. Um, but you know, and that's the, that's the easy stuff to have through, you know, they registered through the secretary of state or whatnot. So, um, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of sifting through phone numbers to try to find the right ones. But once you go through it once, like I, like I mentioned, if that's 1600 phone numbers, I mean, it's going to take you a while to call through all 1600. Um, but once you get through there and you've marked, this is a good phone number this one of eight, now it's going to take an eighth of the time to get through the next time when you're calling back through. So um, there's a little bit of, uh, of leg work involved there, but it's, you want to make money or not, right? That's it. That's <laughs> exactly it. Do you, do you use some sort of, sort of like auto dialer that you just load them all into? You know what? I need to, I, I haven't yet. 
Um, but I really need to. I really need to start doing that. So we actually have um, we, we've got some some folks who work with us who have been doing some cold calling lately uh, for our firm, and they they have an auto dialer uh, that they use. And and it, I'm jealous. I want to I want to start implementing one so I can do it and be faster. But uh, yeah, right. But yeah. I, I do kind of like the standby. So a lot of auto dialers will start dialing and, and whoever picks up, it'll then, it'll then drop the rest of them and go to that. Since I do like to have Google Earth up and I like to have just a little bit of info on the GIS. Yeah, it's tough. I'll kind of go a little bit more in order with that. So, but That yeah. makes sense. Uh, Caleb wants to know if you have any advice on the pitch for someone who's not a broker. What kind of value can you bring to a potential seller? So, so let's, say, let's say you're the buyer. And you're contacting mm-hmm. ta- contacting these sellers directly. I mean, I would imagine that script only needs a minor modification to say, you know, hey, look, th- you know, your property fits my criteria. This is kind of what I'm looking to purchase. I mean, what's what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you could you could very much use a very similar script. You know, hey, just just you know, I know this is out of the blue. This may or may not make sense, uh, but you know, I'm I'm looking for similar properties to this, and just you know, wanted to know if it's an asset you'd consider trading, I'd be happy to help you find the next property. You know, obviously I spend a good bit of time on the phone talking to people like just exactly like this. And I, I run into sellers all the time who want to sell something that doesn't fit my criteria. You know, if, if let's say it's a multifamily property and it's 10 units that you're trying to buy and they say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to roll this into a 50 unit building. You say, well, well, you know, if, if, if you, if you want to sell to me, I'm happy to keep calling. And when I find that 50 unit building, I'll help you. I'll help you. I mean, we, we live in a market in Charlotte right now that's so hard to find multifamily properties specifically that that might be the only way you get a hold of it, help that person find their next one in an exchange for, for getting it. You know, otherwise they're going to go to market with it and probably get it for you know a lot more money than you're going to be able to buy it for. But if they know they've got a buyer, you're a cash buyer. Some people just want to get the deal done. And, and if you can add on to that, helping them find their next one, why not? Yeah. And, and I think, too, just continue to think through what value can you bring to this other buyer? Right. Maybe you own a property down the street. Hey, by the way, I just leased this for twenty dollars a foot triple net. You know, maybe if you need comps or anything like that, just wanted to let you know. You know, also, if uh, if you're interested in selling any time, give me a ring. I'm an active buyer. And you could also say, you know, hey, look, I'm obviously I'm calling on other owners in the area. Is there anything else you want to buy? I mean, maybe you could just facilitate a deal. I mean, you know, most most people I talk to have a real estate license or have wholesaled in the past, and you could obviously collect a fee off of that. But also, it doesn't help to just shoot over a a property that you'd probably never buy to a guy that might because that guy, you know, he's going to owe you. Maybe at least you'll get, you know, a friendship and a nice dinner out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Or if you've got a you got a great electrician that does great work, then you say, hey, I need to connect you to, you know, we've got a really good electrician just did great work for us down the street, you know. Just, you know, any value you can bring, try to bring some value and, and you'll stand out. Yeah. People love that. So you said, uh, in addition to cold calling, you're also cold emailing. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So that is one that I've, I've found an automated solution for. So I use Mailshake. It's a, it's an automated email, cold emailing platform. So I'll, I'll input emails and there's a, there's a filter in there that basically will say, you know, you uploaded 500 emails. We think, know 200 of them are going to bounce back so they scrape those we think out of the rest of them you know there's a there's 150 that we think will deliver well and then you import those 150 you can build uh you know uh, essentially a drip campaign via email 
Um, so if you want to have scheduled follow-ups and it personalizes it so you can you can call them by their first name, so on and so forth. And I've, I've done a lot of that as well. So after I've called somebody, I want to put them in some sort of repeater. I'll, I'll put them into MailShake and, and make sure I'm, I'm at least touching base on a couple different fronts there. And if they are, to someone's point earlier, you know, if they are on LinkedIn, I usually try to hit them on LinkedIn as well and, and touch base with them there. So. That's really interesting. What's your what's your conversion rate for the cold calling versus the cold emailing? If I get someone on the phone cold calling, it's it's probably I would say 25% of the people I'm able to at least get a meeting with and that's a success, right? I'm 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 able to yeah. get a meeting with. Uh, the emails just the sheer volume that I send out um, it's far less than that. I mean, it's it's percentage points, but it's automated. So, it's one of those things you that, have to you worry know, about it. Yeah, yeah, it's automated. So I, I have gotten uh, some pretty quality leads, though, from emailing, though, I, I have. And I think a lot of that depends on your client. Um, you know, for me, uh, the people who might be the decision makers, maybe they're a business owner that worked in the business that also owned that industrial property. And during the day, they're on calls, they're, they're running around, they're going to different meetings, so on and so forth. So dropping them an email in their inbox that they can get to at the end of the day when they have time to sit down might make some more sense than trying to get them at their desk. So try to hit people in a couple different ways just so it, whatever lines up best for them that's what we can do exactly and if and if you leave a message and then they get an email from you and then they get a letter from you they're gonna be like you know what this guy's actually reaching out to me i'll i'll, I'll talk to him i mean it's it happens you, you've got to touch people what 12 times before they'll typically reach out or, or buy anything yep. from you that's just like the yep. sales number so you know you've got to do every every different way that you possibly can and, and one thing i want to reiterate too so logan is obviously uh, saying a lot of this from the broker's perspective, but if you are an investor, you're a, you're a buyer, and you're doing all of these methods, you're trying to buy stuff off market yourself. These methods work just as well. You, you'll need to modify the script or modify uh, your approach just a little bit, but I mean, this could work for just about anybody um, that's looking to find find real estate off market. So, Logan, um, okay, so we've covered cold calling, cold emailing. Do you do letters or any postcards or anything like that? Yeah, I've done. Uh, I've used another service uh, called Mailbox Power, and I've, I, I do it for certain things. I, I've just launched a uh, sale lease back campaign. Uh, it's a two-sided letter through Mailbox Power. Um, I also keep in my little system. I'll keep a a stack of about fifty pieces of letterhead with my you know name and everything on it. Um, I'll keep uh, about one hundred and fifty stamps and just a little stamper for an envelope on my desk to where if I just really quickly want to want to remember somebody, I'll scratch them a little handwritten note, fold it up, throw it in there and go. And it's, it takes me 20 seconds. So I try to do that when it's somebody that it's, you know, I've either made a personal connection with or, or I really want to make a personal connection with I'll, in my in my neatest handwriting, which is hard to do. Um, I'll try. It takes me forever to write one because my handwriting is terrible. So I'll write one out and, and I'll fold it up and send it to him as a personal letter as well. So. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. I've I've actually gotten a lot of success from sending those letters. I've got a service. I forgot what they're called. A service out of uh, somewhere in the Northeast that uh, we just send them the letter. They do the mail merge. They hand sign it with my signature, and then they'll hand address every single envelope. And so you have to think. I mean, the the opening rate on those has got to be ninety nine percent. I mean, yeah. who doesn't open something that's personally addressed to them, yep. right? Yep. Um, and it's, and it's not that expensive. I think I, was, I pay 1500 a month for 500 letters and wow. that includes stamps. So, I mean, it's yeah. absolutely worth it. Um, yeah. I'll try and, I'll try and find that 
group and and yeah, share that sure. in another uh, future podcast episode because I mean that that stuff's really valuable and it, and it really can take your your investing skills to the next level. Mm-hmm. What what about networking? Do you go out and, and try to meet property owners? I mean, do you door knock or are there any other events that you can attend? Yeah, so so there's there are several real estate investing events. You know, in, in my specific. Uh, arena, you know, you're talking about going to chamber of commerce events and, and things like that, that, that I, I do like to network. It's another avenue, another arm of prospecting, if you will, to try to reach out. And even if you're in, you know, any networking event I can get into that's, that's business correlated, everybody knows somebody, right? So, so just getting out there, telling people what you do, whether you're a broker or you're an investor, just getting out to events where, where people are who own commercial property or maybe know people who own commercial property is going to, is going to pay dividends in the long run. Just, just make those connections. And, you know, people like to do business with people they like. So if you can have a beer with someone and and BS with them for a little bit, you know, it, it goes a long way. Man, it really does. I mean, that's, that's 90% of what I feel like I do now It's just grabbing lunch, grabbing coffee, grabbing a beer with somebody hanging out and talking real estate. I mean, that's just, people love to do it. You know, it's, it's really, it's a really interesting business that we're in where people want to generally get together and socialize around that business. I mean, I feel like there's not a whole lot of people that are in accounting that want to get together and grab coffee and talk accounting. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe there are, I just don't know it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, maybe I'm running in the wrong circles. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Or the right ones, I guess. There you go. Uh, there you go. No, it's true though. It's true though. And I, I think I, I think whether you're, uh, you know, if if you're in real estate for investment, you tend to be someone that's that's a go getter. You're willing to step out of your right. comfort zone. You're willing to try to expand. And I think those are that's, those are great great qualities for networking. And likewise with a broker. If if you're a broker and you're scared to network, you might have a hard time. You're, you're probably going to have a hard time in this business. So yeah, get out and get out and network for sure. Ezra's asking, how has your monthly budget for lead generation changed or evolved over the past few years? Oh, man, is he talking about me or you? Man, I've... uh, I've, Let's get your uh, answer first. We'll talk about mine next. Yeah, so so it's changed. It's kind of gone down and then it's going back up. So I, uh, you know, when I first got into the brokerage game, I set some money aside and wanted to do these, you know, you know, large, grandiose uh, marketing campaigns. Um, saw some success, some not a lot of it in direct mail, didn't see a ton of success. Um, and I realized it was exactly that I, I wasn't dialing into the people that I needed to dial into. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't meeting them where they are and providing any value. It was just throwing things across their face and hoping that they called me. And so I dialed that way down and my, again, for the last several months, my, uh, my main, uh, point of contact has been taking these lists and, and, uh, and calling on them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's changed in the sense that I've spent a little bit more money on, on, uh, marketing software, the email marketing software, but it's still not that much. I think it's, it's, I think it's like a thousand bucks a year for that service. Um, and then the, uh, you know, the postcard mailing and, and the letters that I'm sending out, they're more informationals now. So the sale lease back, uh, letter that I'm sending out is a, is geared towards the finance professionals at these organizations to say, Hey, here's a way for you. If you don't want to refi, you can do a sale lease back. And for those of you who don't know what that is, the building, the, the owner owns the building and operates a business out of it. The business needs to keep operating there. 
but they want to cash in on their equity. So they sell the building and then lease that building back from whoever buys it. So that's, that's a sale lease back. Um, so I'm, I'm sending out a letter for, for those people. And those are, those are probably 50 cents a piece going out to around a thousand people. So my budget is, is growing as, as I, I see more success and, and it grow. Um, you know, I could see myself in the, in the couple thousand dollars a month range here in the next six months. But right now, you know, it's, it, that's the best part of old school prospecting the, the payoff for being willing to pick up the phone and call people is it's very cheap. It's very inexpensive. Yeah. Um, if you're willing to put the time in and you're willing to work, you can, you can generate some of these. Now, now things like Reonomy cost money, things like CoStar cost money. Those are expensive. Um, so yeah, you got to pay for those things, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's evolved. As I said, it, it, I was spending a lot more in the beginning focused a lot more on just just cold outreach and prospecting and things are going very well and I'm reinvesting uh, those profits back into uh, some some more evergreen content as we said at the beginning so yeah my I, I've followed a very similar path I mean, when I first got started it was all letters and cold calls because yeah. those are about as cheap as you can get and you're putting your time into it right I mean I was just yeah. printing off letters at the office signing them addressing them myself and sending them out and I committed to doing you know five or ten a day. And so there's not a whole lot of money that's going into that. When you don't have money and you've got time, you got to spend your time doing something. Yeah. So um, it evolved from there into more digital and online types of, mm -hmm. of marketing. So like Facebook and Instagram ads and um, some some other stuff. I, I ended up finding we got up to a point where we were spending 50 to to $100 a day on Facebook yeah. and Instagram ads. And... <clears throat> I just wasn't seeing the returns. It just didn't seem like I was getting a lot of traffic, but we weren't seeing conversions, which, I mean, maybe you could argue that our website isn't designed well enough to get conversions, but that's just, it, it's not true. I still get people submitting through our website today and we're not marketing or paying for any marketing anywhere. So I don't know if I was just getting in front of the wrong leads or what. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of dropped off with the letters and the cold calling. I still haven't cold called in years, but we've gotten back into the letters. We're doing, you know, more letters. Now we're doing more postcards. Uh, one of my, my big, my, one of my biggest lead generators is my current listings. I mean, yeah. you know, again, this is obviously getting into the brokerage side now, but we decided to niche down into a neighborhood. Well, if I have 10 listings or 12 listings at any given time, and they're all in one neighborhood, People are going to drive past that and go, damn, this guy has everything, everything. on this side of town. Yeah. That's the person to talk to, right? Yeah. So that that actually was one of the best lead generator, generators that we ever had. Um, it's just our own signs. Yeah. Well, and that feeds right into what you're saying about, you know, if you are an investor and not a broker, you know, you can take that same concept. You just bought a house, let's say, or you just bought, or just bought a big industrial building, you just bought whatever, and and send it out to local, uh, you know, some of the neighbors who, who you might want to buy their property as well. Say, hey, by the way, just want to let yeah. you know we just closed on this. Here's what we did, blah, blah, blah. And maybe it turns into a conversation. Maybe you end up buying their property down the road. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Jacob wants to know, what is the typical time span for you from initial contact to listing a property? Oh, man, say, uh, it varies, I would say there it, it's probably for, for a good lead who's gonna who's gonna join it's probably a couple weeks um you know ordinarily i'm gonna be you know i've got some people who i who i get on the phone with them and they're like yeah i like it let's go and then there's some people i i've been dealing with one guy who well, i'm gonna get the listing 
Uh, he's told me a hundred times, at least I think I am not inked yet. So you don't know. Um, but it's, it's been going on for seven months and it's been, you know, it's, it's in Salesforce and every couple of weeks it's, Hey man, just wanted to touch base with you. See how you're doing. Hey, I'm good. You know, we're, we're ready to do this. I just need to, to tidy up a few things and, and we'll be ready to go probably here in the, in the winter. And then it's still probably here in the spring. Hey, probably here in the summer. It's, you know, it is yeah. what it is. sometimes they take a while and, and that might not happen for a year and a half, but you know, you just keep contacting, keep contacting, but, uh, but yeah, try, try to have that, that funnel to move them through as quickly as possible. So, you know, I, I try to get them, you know, as we said, when we're on the phone, if I can get them to an appointment at all costs, I try to, um, some people are very adamant. Nope. Bring me an offer. or I don't want to even talk to you. I'm like, well, I can't bring you an offer until I get, you know, X, Y, Z information. Um, and then I need to put it in front of my buyers. You know, we obviously don't work for free. So, you know, at the very minimum, we have to do, you know, a, a limited agreement or, or at least a commission agreement that says, if I find you a buyer, here's what we'll do. And then, then they're, well, you know, maybe that. And then, so it's, it, it, it depends. Some people are ready to go. Some people are just, you know, it's going to take months. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep, exactly. You never know. Sometimes you find those, uh, the ones mm -hmm. that are just jump on it and you're like, man, this is the perfect client. And then sometimes there's some that just make you work for it. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I guess it all averages out. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, Logan, do you have any final tips on on finding off market investment opportunities? You know, I would say, you know, just my, my advice for anybody would be to just create a system and follow that system. It's consistency is going to be key for you. Having that mindset is going to be key for you. If you choose cold calling, realize that it's kind of like it's kind of like working out. If you'd never worked out before, if you haven't worked out in a very long time and you go to the gym and work out for three straight hours, the very next day, the last thing you're going to want to do is go to the gym. You'd be much better off going to the gym for 10 minutes and, and doing a brisk walk. And then the next day going for 12 minutes and then the next day, and then two months from now, you're going to be running for two miles. And that's, that's the way I would go about this. Whether it's, whether it's letters, whether it's, uh, you know, cold calling, whatever it is, just, just walk before you run and you're going to be a lot better off in a mental space to, to keep going for the long run. Yep. So true. Well, good. If anybody listening wants to get a hold of you to, to talk about investing in some commercial real estate, where can they find you? So they can find me at, uh, you can email me. It's just Logan at Costello, R E I.com L O G A N at C O S T E L L O R E I.com. Um, Instagram it's Logan Hartle. Um, we also have a mastermind and networking group, uh, true commercial real estate group. You were actually on that group, uh, a couple of weeks ago. That was awesome. Thanks for coming yeah. on that. that was cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we have a YouTube channel out there. Um, if you just YouTube true commercial real estate, um, we actually have a, we have a weekly, uh, essentially it's, it's a self-improvement section and then monthly we interview uh, a guest and, and yeah, so the, the nice thing about that is it's actually a networking and mastermind group primarily, and we bring guests in to talk to that group. Um, and then we put it out on YouTube. So if you're interested in, in connecting with some other investors and learning more from, from investors all over the country, um, yeah, it's a great group to tune into. So those are the three ways. Love it. Logan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you to everybody that jumped in the live chat with your questions and comments. That was a lot of fun. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, don't forget to rate and review so that we can get in front of more people who need to be learning about commercial real estate. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, hit that like button, subscribe for more commercial real estate content, and we'll see you next time.